Blog Talk Radio. Jaden McDaniels from coming to Kentucky who went on to Washington and 
you know, he's been he's been used right and all kind of stuff that just went public and to me it's just like when you just kinda of doing too much and just maybe just let it die and it hadn't died and uh, you know, BBN is all over the internet, so it's just fueling the fire and you right though, see BBN telling you nothing you don't know. But that's that's kinda of what's been going on in these corona times. Winning against the BBN. Well, you know, my my whole thing is this. Like you said, every player that comes through is not going to have a storybook finish, right? And I think it's fair to say that, that, that Winion's time at Kentucky probably did not go as he envisioned. You know, the high point was the 6-3 in the SEC tournament that year. But it would probably be fair to say that he wasn't used how he probably – envisioned he was going to be used. And we can debate whether or not uh, he should have been used differently. Or, you know, I've seen a lot of people say, well, what did he expect? Well, he expected to play basketball and do things like he had kind of done in high school. You know, I, I don't fault kids for that, right? I mean, that's, you want to have that confidence. Uh, so I, I Looking at his run, I, I was one of those people that was surprised when he did declare for the draft. Because to me, and again, I'm no expert, but it just didn't seem like he had put enough together to really showcase himself. So credit to uh, to Winion, he's in the bubble, right? He's you know he's in the, he's he's made an NBA roster, and it wasn't just one of those add-ons to the Nets. He's on the roster of, <laughs> uh, 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 of the Trailblazers. And they've had, yeah. you know, singing his praises. He's played well. He's made some highlights before the season ground to a halt. So a lot of credit to him. So about the, the birthday shout-out, I mean, people need to understand, number one, Coach Cal is not in charge of his, of his social media. Like, if you think John Calipari is sitting there tweeting, or putting stuff on Instagram or Facebook, that, that I hate to burst people's bubble. That's not the thing. The problem is when you are wishing people happy birthday, you run the chance of overlooking someone. Uh, I remember uh, earlier this year, the official Kentucky men's basketball Twitter account you know, every week, every Sunday or Monday, I think it is, they put out a list of all the birthdays for the week. And they omitted Anthony Epps. And he responded with, hey, what about me? Which I think is a reasonable response. So some people might see it as being petty, but absolutely, I think if it was me, I would certainly take umbrage with that. So I don't fault Winion for that. Now, because of how his run at Kentucky went, you know, I think it's bad form to badmouth publicly your school, your alma mater, and everything like that. I'm not a big fan of that, but uh, I can understand. He, he's why he's feeling the way he's feeling. So, uh, 
Yeah, so that's where I'm coming from. I'm not going to roast the kid too bad. I mean, he got roasted when he was in Lexington. He got roasted when he left. And, you know, uh, sometimes you just don't have storybook endings uh, with these things. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't really take umbrage if they left mine off the list. And Wingan ain't exactly Anthony Epps. That's that's stating obvious too. Um, so, but okay, they, but, but, he kind of you the, know. I mean, I'm not saying roast him, but I'm just like you. We get you weren't happy. That was already kind of known. You also, you can call it dispensing information if you want. You also dissuaded the dude from coming here publicly, or your DM that got made public, or whatever. That's, you know, Anthony Epps wasn't doing that, so that, that's that's what? that's kind of a strike against you. I mean, you can do what you want, you can say what you want, but that's that's not going to be received well. If you're like, look, man, if, if you ain't Kevin Durant, you can't do this and this. This ain't going to work. Well, it ain't a lot of Kevin Durant's out there, you know. So this, first of all, that's Get that in your mind, even if you were top 15 coming out of high school. But, and, and, and I, get, I get what you're saying, and I'm not defending him. Like I said, let me be clear. Bad-mouthing your, your, your school, uh, you know, in the recruit of another individual, that's, that's, a, that's poor form. Uh, you know, I tried to break it down, but him taking a point at not having a birthday recognized, I mean, I understand he's not Anthony Epps, but the 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 uh, men's basketball account and Coach Cal, they recognize the only standard is were you a letter winner for UK men's basketball? That's the standard. Cal has wished everybody that has come through that was All American or played ten minutes total. They all get the birthday treatment. Now, whether or not the old mission was because of what uh, women had done behind the scenes, I can see that. Uh-huh. I can uh-huh. totally understand that aspect of it. For him to take kind of umbrage with it, you know, and sometimes, as my dad said and, and your dad said, if you make your bed, you got to lay down in it, right? So uh, yep. it's 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 – in my mind is this, with the type of kids that Cal has brought in, highly ranked recruits, recruits that probably thought, each one of them thought they could be 20-point-a-night guys if they were somewhere else, right? Uh, we were bound to have some friction, right? Yeah. There, there were bound to be some people that things just didn't go the way they thought it was going to go like Khalil Whitney, for example, you know, like some other guys. It just did not come together like they thought. And yeah, that's kind of bringing in a lot of uh, high-ranking guys. Sometimes they just don't pan out the way you thought. Now, what I would like to see from Quinion's side is a little bit more, hey, I could have done X, Y, and Z because nah, I huh? think Cal puts it on the, on the players – 
you have to make yourself unplayable, or I'm sorry, you have to make yourself playable, right? That is what Cal said. That's what a lot of coaches said. Again, that is what my dad told me when I was playing sports uh, coming up. You have to do those things your coach asks you to do where putting you on the bench is unthinkable. And we have seen guys turn it around. I think the most famous example is Shea Gilders Alexander. He was an afterthought in that class. And then by February, into January, February, he was the dude, that, he was the straw that was stirring the drink. So a lot of that is on the player. And a lot of it, you know, sometimes things just don't work. You know, Winion could be in the right, Cal could have been in the right, and sometimes they just don't work. It's like a, it's like a bad marriage. You just, sometimes it just doesn't work. You're not a bad person. Your spouse isn't a bad person, but it just doesn't work. And that's okay, too. Uh, but yeah. I definitely yeah. don't, it's a bad look to be bad-mouthing where you win. In my yeah, mind. and you just kept kept going on and on and, and engaging the fans. That's just going to, you know, you kept responding to fans and responding to fans and responding to fans. That's that's not going to get you anywhere. Uh, and, look, he's not the first that had some bumps in the road. You know, I, I got Freddie Maggie. Uh, I don't think I'm saying anything. He was talked about how he there was a point where he thought about going elsewhere back in the Jerry Claiborne days. Uh, got through it, you know, loves Kentucky, glad he stayed. Uh, doing a, a podcast right now with Tony Depp, and he has, has talked about how rough that freshman season was. I came in, thought I was going to play. A lot of other guys who were freshmen like myself were playing in their programs and contributing, and I'm like, man, I'm just as good as them. I'm better than them, but I'm sitting here holding a clipboard on the end of this bench watching Jamal Mashburn. I'm behind Dale Brown. You know, we've talked about that in a few episodes of the podcast we've done. He literally thought about leaving after his freshman year, kind of refocused, went back home right there in the Brownsville outside of Memphis, came back, said they're going to know the real Tony Depp. Worked on his game and you know, the rest is history. We know about that sophomore, junior, and senior year uh, when he finished out his career in Kentucky. So, look, everybody kind of goes through it, some more than others. Everybody doesn't always handle it the same way. Winning is young. We might look back and wish he hadn't done it. We all got stuff from our late teens, early 20s. But, uh wish I hadn't done it. And this hopefully will be oh, yeah. one of those things he can look back and say, oh, <laughs> wish, I, wish I hadn't have done that. And maybe this bridge can be bonded, you know, a little bit down the road. Maybe time can be a little salve to these wounds and everybody kind of come back around. You know, like, look, Daniel Orton has kind of got back in good graces and, you know, didn't end that well with him. It was bumpy the year he was here. So, you know, it could happen. So we'll see. But in these corona times, this was the biggest <laughs> UK news, unfortunately, TV. So it was, it was something to talk about for a minute because that's what was popping off a few days ago. Oh, absolutely, and, and like I said, I, I don't want to say that Winion is necessarily a bad guy because, uh, like I said, sometimes things just don't work. And I know you talk about you know going back and forth with fans, and and and, and let's not 
say the fans are totally blameless. They rode Wyndham pretty hard when he was here. Yeah. When he when he was in Lexington and it wasn't quite working out like we thought, he caught a lot of a lot of a lot of crap too. Okay. So yeah. I'm not saying that it's right what he's doing going back with fans. What I am saying is Wyndham Gabriel caught a lot of stuff from fans. And if I'm in that situation and it's a, and the opportunity is there to fire back, I'm firing back, right or wrong. And, and probably he should have put the phone down and done something else. But I understand right. it. I mean, people put stuff out there to these athletes and, and, and with the expectation nothing is coming back to them. Well, sometimes it, it, it comes right, it comes back. So you can't oh, yeah. be surprised. When that happens as well, you know, uh, uh, there's that meme that goes around. Uh, it's been attributed to Mike Tyson is, uh, you know, uh, the problem with today's world is people lot of, lots, like to pop off at the mouth because they know they ain't got to put them hands up, right? So you get a lot right. of people to get uh-huh. chesty with these college kids. Uh-huh. And so that probably put a bad taste in his mouth as well. So my two cents to that is y'all got to be careful how you talk about it. Players and recruits. You have to be careful, right? Because yeah. we know Wiggins' career didn't go like he thought. He caught it from the fans, and if his warning to the McDaniel's kids, like, "Hey, man, those people are rough." That's kind of on us as well, <laughs> right? So we we That's can true. be the best fans. We can be the unbest fans. So uh, some of that is on us as well. Absolutely. 845-277-9373 at Cat Talk Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, tweet at us. Give us a call. It is time now to call Stevie Westmoreland. Give her a ring and talk with her about some Kentucky football. Let's go ahead and dial her up. Hello? Hey, Stevie. It's Vinny and Terry. Cats Up Wednesday. How you doing this evening? Oh, hey. I'm good. How are you? We are doing good. Appreciate you taking time out of your evening to, to hop on the show with us, talk about Kentucky football. We appreciate you. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And for, for those who have maybe been under a rock and may not know, tell everybody listening what your connection is to UK football. Um, Terry Wilson is my baby brother. There you so, go. For those who may not have known, yeah. there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis on baby. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you Ride for Terry. It's fun seeing your tweets. It's fun seeing <laughs> you, call, you call out an article that's maybe throwing a little shade. You are having none of it. None of it. 
None of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't think that there's ever going to be an age. You know, it's like, is he, when he's 25, am I going to, you know, it didn't matter if he was playing football or freaking crochet knitting blankets. Like, <laughs> I'm going to always stand up for him. And I don't think, maybe when I'm dead, I'll stop when I'm dead, I think. <laughs> So was it always that way when y'all were growing up, or was did Mama Wilson have to get on y'all for fussing and fighting with each other? No, we really, I mean, I'm quite a bit older than T, so we really didn't fuss. Like, me and my big sister, like, baby Tim, and our little sister, too, but our younger sister is a lot closer in age to T, so they kind of fought some, oh, my God, I have to tell you a story. <laughs> okay, so... T and my little sister, like I said, they're closer in age, so they fought a little bit more. Um, one one night, I was I did dance in high school, and we have a dance show in the spring and a dance show in the fall. And it was after the dance show, and, you know, everyone's let out of the auditorium, and my mom gave me some flowers, and all of a sudden, like, everyone's in the parking lot gathering around, and they're yelling, it's a fight out here, it's a fight out here. So, you know, I'm in high school, so I'm like, oh, I'm going to go see who's getting beat up. So I'm thinking, like, it's like a fight, and we get over there, and it's T and our baby sister, and they are, like, fighting in the parking lot over the front seat, over who was going to get to ride in the front seat. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, seriously? But when you say shotgun is serious, you know, I get it. But, yeah, we didn't really, we didn't really fight, like, me and T – and my big sister, we didn't really bicker or fight. We're all pretty protective of him, I think. Yeah, that's some serious. That's a serious issue, and and they had to they had to serve it. That, that front yeah, thing. yeah. I was like, and the sad part is, was like I was riding in the front anyway, so <laughs> neither of y'all were gonna get in the front. So I don't know what that was about. <laughs> oh man, that's so lame. So what what did you know about? Kentucky before Terry decided to come to Kentucky. Had you been to Kentucky before? Did you know anything about the Bluegrass State at all? Okay, so the only thing I knew about Kentucky was basketball and cheerleading. <laughs> I was a dancer and a cheerleader, so I knew their I knew their cheerleading squad was fire. So I knew that. I knew the basketball team was good. And it had never been really, like football-wise, on our minds as far as a potential place that he might end up. Um, that, was, that was pretty much it. Like, I don't even think I had been to Kentucky. Not like, I mean, we might have driven through at some point, but I hadn't really been there. And I definitely had never been to Lexington until we came down for his visit, actually. And we're just glad that he picked Kentucky because otherwise, I mean, you could be having this same conversation with two dudes in, like, Nebraska right now or, or wherever else. Oh, my and God. I'm glad, we, I'm glad you're having it here with us. I know. Me, too. I think, you know, Nebraska was pretty much out. I think Nebraska was – it would have been two dudes in Florida probably or something. I don't know. <laughs> Florida. Speaking of Florida – Take us through your emotions when he went down there and ended that streak 
and they got that W in the swamp in 2018. What was that game and evening like for you and the family? Oh, my gosh. So we were sick, like, the whole day. And the crazy thing is T was not nervous at all. Like, he was, like, cool as a cucumber the whole day. My mom and I are freaking out. You know, we were we were pretty nervous, especially because week one was not exactly the game <laughs> that he wanted to have. Um, and then your next game, you have to go to the swamp. So it was – we were just really, really nervous. Um, and he was he was fine. And, you know, he had those couple of turnovers in the first half that hopefully everyone has forgotten about. Um, and it was just a really, it was a really, really emotional game. But he believed in himself. We believed in him. His team and his coaches believed in him. And he went out there and shoot, did what I know Terry Touchdown can do. <laughs> and so he did. He did. He did really great. But we were, I mean, all over the place with with emotions. My mom was handing out BC powders to uh, everyone sitting near us because everyone in our section had like headaches and we were just like a ball of emotions. So she's like, I got, I got a BC powder. And literally like, I think five or six people were like, can I have one? Including me. Cause we were just, Oh man. But it was awesome. I'd never experienced anything like that. It was a really, really awesome atmosphere. And I'm glad that um, my mom and I got to be there in person. Cause it was just, it was just really great. It was really awesome. It was great. Talking with Stevie Westmoreland, Terry Wilson's big sister, and it's a it's a roller coaster for everybody. Look, they hadn't beaten Florida since I was nine, you know, nineteen eighty six. Oh my so god! I, I'm waiting my whole life. But wow, as emotional as it is for us. It's just a whole nother level for y'all living and dying every play as family members with blood family out there on the field. Oh man, it was it was very, and the whole the whole season and everything um, was just. I mean, it's not it wasn't anything necessarily new. I think the size of the crowd and the scale of the game had been magnified, of course, because of the stage that they play on. Um, but I mean, I can remember when he was seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old, and he had games like that, and we would be just emotional, an emotional wreck the whole game. I remember in little league, um, he played for a really, really, really good little league team, like maybe lose one game every couple of years type good, and I remember the first state championship game they lost. And, I mean, you would have thought that these boys lost the Super Bowl. And it felt that way. And I don't know. We've just always kind of – it's it, – like I said, it could be anything that he chose to do. My family is very supportive of one another, and we kind of all are 100% all in for each other. And so, you know, I, I don't think that – that would ever change regardless if if it's Florida he's playing or if it's, you know, I don't know, some high school team. Like, we're still going to have the same emotions. But that one was different. That one was, oh, Lord, I I would love to not feel that again (laughs) because it was terrifying and it was so loud. Like, that was the big thing is 
it was just way, way loud. And we asked him, we're like, Loopy, how loud was it in there? And he was like, it, it was it was pretty loud. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I couldn't even hear myself think. Like, how, how could I even imagine, like, I mean, two seconds to make a decision and you have 100,000 people yelling because, you know, they yell when, when we're on offense. Yelling, like, oh, God, I can't imagine. It, it, it sounds a little bit like, and for all those strong women who are mothers, the the labor and the pushing that you you don't want to go through that. The end result when the, they lay the baby on your chest is what you live for, just like winning in the swamp. But that yep. ride to get there is is <laughs> fun. It's what it sounds like. Uh-uh. Uh, no, it was an emotional roller coaster. It really, really, really was, especially as the underdogs and so much, you know, like it had been 30, I mean, my whole life, because let's see, 32 years. Yeah, so at the time, it was like my whole life um, since they had beat Florida. So it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Did you tell y'all he was cutting the dreads off beforehand, or did y'all just find out when he, like, sent a picture or when everybody else did? You know what? That that turkey, okay, he told us, (laughs) he told us the day of, okay, he said earlier in that day, he told us that he had an appointment to get his dreads cut off. So, of course, my mom and I are on the phone trying to devise plans to not get him to cut his dreads off. And so I'm talking to him. I'm like, T, you know, that's that's your identity, and you won't be able to flip your hair. Anymore. You know, and we're talking. And he had made up his mind, um, and he had been saying it for a while that he was going to cut him. And so I was like, well, just cut a couple inches off, you know, just just cut. I said, wait a month, and if you still want to do it in a month, then, you know, do it or whatever. But then, okay, when you have your friends hyping you up too, AJ <laughs> was kind of like, oh, yeah, you should cut him. So, that kind of sealed it, and I think he was just—he was ready for something new, a fresh start, a new chapter. Um, coming back from injury and in his final year playing college ball, um, so he wanted a fresh start. But I teased him the other day and told him he looked like a junior high principal with with this new haircut. But but he he looks he looks to me like a bit. Ba- I mean, he hasn't had his hair like that since he was twelve years old, probably thirteen years right. old. I mean. Yeah, it's it's been a minute. Yeah. So I was like, he he looks like he looks like a little baby again. So I'm like, oh gosh, now I'm really gonna have to try and figure out how to spot you because normally I'd be like, okay, there's the dreads down there. Far, there's I see dreads at the top of the crowd, but now I'm like, oh great, wonderful. But yeah. he's he's happy with it though, so it's a lot easier maintenance. We got Stevie Westmoreland here. TV man, jump in because you know I've just been sitting here asking a lot of questions, but you know, I ain't trying to hog, man. <laughs> oh, did we lose T? You still there, Terry? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh. Okay, yeah, there you are. There you are, man. Look, I'll just okay. say, jump in anytime, man. I ain't trying to. I do have just one kind of question. We talked about the support. Uh, the, the Terry Wilson Ranchers family and everything like that. So we talked about the highest of the highs going down to the swamp and, and coming out with the victory. Uh, Vinny's going to make me be the bad guy and kind of look at you know, oh. the Eastern Michigan game last year. How how was the family support 
Secretary when he got injured and had to miss out on the last nine games that season and with his rehab and everything like that. How is that going from a family perspective? You know, um, <clears throat> T had been injured before. Um, he broke his collarbone twice in high school, but it wasn't an injury that required surgery or like really extensive rehab. Um, And actually when he broke it the first time he was out for, I want to say six weeks or something. And he was able to go back and play and broke it again in the first game that he came back from. Um, But that was, that was a little bit different. Um, He was a junior in high school and it was just it was different because it again it didn't require really extensive rehab um or surgery. He still had like motor functions of like walking and different things you know he could still kind of be mobile um but this injury was really, really difficult on all of us because there there wasn't like first of all, you just feel really helpless because there wasn't anything that we could do or say to make him feel better. Like there's no way anything that any of us would be able to say are going to make him feel all right about, hey, um, sorry, your season, your season's done. And I think when we heard that, um, when we right after his injury and he was being evaluated and we found out that his season was over, I mean, it was like the air just got sucked out of the room. Like it, it was, it was a very, very – um, tough situation, and it was a journey that he had to battle on his own mentally was the toughest part. Um, the surgery was difficult, and I think the first few days after surgery were, were pretty difficult for him, um, the being on the scooter and not being able to, you know, use that leg and things like that. Those were those were rough on him, but the, the mental part was really, really tough, and I think my family um, – we just felt helpless because he he really he had to go through some some really emotional moments of just being mentally tough. I mean, that's just that's hard. I mean, to work so hard like they did on the off season and then in your second game your season is over. Like it was just I, I couldn't imagine. I mean, it was it was really difficult. Um we all did our best to try and support him and be there for him as we always do. Um, but like I said, that was a journey of, of him on his own mentally, um, trying to tackle each and every day. I mean, the physical part was, was, you know, it is what it is, but he had to really, really be mentally tough and he did good. He, he survived. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And appears to be back stronger than ever. You've seen the tweet from running, uh, yeah, playing the workouts and yeah, mm-hmm. swagger's back and and like you said, got through the dark of you know storm and and has made it to the other side. Yeah, he's he's doing great. I mean, he is he is doing great. I'm so freaking proud of him. Like, I can't even explain how proud of him I am because he has gone through so much. And my mom and I are always joking, like, can the kid can he get a break? Can he just get a break? I mean, from, you know, being at Oregon and then going to JUCO and then having, you know, a rough start to his first year, his first season, kind of just 
getting his feel for what SEC football is and then to get injured season ending in your second game. I mean, it's just like, God, can the kid, can he get a break? Like he works so hard and he loves this game so much. And it's just like, uh, but we have, we have very, very high hopes for this season. Our team, y'all, them boys, them boys is working. They are working. They are working. They are working. We He doesn't really talk about that. He doesn't really mention that. I think that he is very motivated by the fact that people always, like always, um, kind of they just sleep on his team. And I think that bothers him more than anything else. Like I don't think that he's motivated to be the best quarterback in the SEC or – you know, to be the best quarterback at Kentucky. I think he's motivated by the fact that he does not like how everybody in the media and in, you know, SEC Network and all how they constantly sleep on their team. I think that that, that really motivates him because he sees how hard those guys work and he knows what they put in and he knows how good they are and they're constantly being – underrated and I think that that motivates him a lot like just just having that chip on your shoulder and something to something to prove so I don't think that he thinks of it in a way of of breaking records or or anything like that I think that he's just like I want to prove all these people wrong yeah and that's plenty of motivation in itself because you're right it, it always you know, he gets slighted. You know, if they're ranking the quarterbacks the or if they're picking oh Kentucky, it's the media day. They always pick Kentucky sixth in the East behind South Carolina, Missouri. Teams that Kentucky has been beaten. I mean, they, they, know, how many years in a row, like, have they said that <laughs> South Carolina's going to beat us? And I'm just trying to figure out what kind of uh, methamphetamines. These people are consuming <laughs> when they write this stuff, and some of it, some of it doesn't even make sense. Like some of it isn't even coherent. Like it's just like who? It, this people get paid money. Like this is their job. 
Like, mm-hmm. you can't go to McDonald's and do that kind of job and and keep your – like, they won't let you do fries. <laughs> but you – I don't I, – I read some of that stuff, and I just be like, Jesus, Jesus, Lord, take take. Take take the wheel from me, Lord, because I tr- like I respond sometimes. I try to keep my responses to minimum, because you know T, he's always telling me, "Mom, don't argue with those people," and so I try. But sometimes I just have to just sometimes. I, I have a day and a time when I'm just like I can't let you. It's my civil civic duty to let that person know, hey you're not intelligent. And so if you continue your life this way, like people are going to think you're not intelligent. So I'm going to be the person to let you know, because I care about you as a human being. So I just have to let them know like, Hey, this is garbage. And so are you. I'm (laughs) I'm biased though. I'm a little bit biased. I'm a little bit biased. So (laughs) we we talk about it all season. Like, what does Kentucky have to do to get right. the best? You know, what, I saw one of these things that had, you know, the top ten quarterbacks in the SEC for this year, uh, and Terry's name wasn't on it. And I was uh, like, you? like, I understand uh, injury, right? I, I, I get that. But uh, not a top ten quarterback? He's 12 and 3. Like, what are you talking and, about? So, and there's quarterbacks on there. No, no disrespect, because – the SEC is a different type of – it's a different conference in itself. My mom and I joke and call it the junior NFL, okay? But you have quarterbacks on there who haven't taken one snap of SEC football. What? What? Nope. Like, mm-hmm. what? It is, this is not this – is, this is not the ACC. This is not Big Ten. No, they're, they're wonderful conferences. I'm just saying – the defenses are a little bit different, and you have a list of top quarterbacks in the SEC, and you have QBs on there who haven't taken one snap in our conference. I mean, hell, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I try really hard not to click on those articles. I try hard. Sometimes people send them to me, which, you know, when they send them to me, it's not of God. What they're doing is not of the Lord because they know how I'm going to react. <laughs> but I try not to click on them. But every once in a while, I just can't resist. I just have to indulge yeah. a little bit. <laughs> exactly. exactly. We got Stevie with more on here. And look, this is an, another family member we've had on the show. Just to run down the list, Stevie, we had A.J. Rose's dad on. We had Phil Hoskins' dad. We had Chris Rodriguez's dad. And Chance for that. So now we got you on here talking about tea. So enjoying every minute of it. How excited are you about being an auntie coming up in a little bit? You know, I'm so excited for tea. Like, of course, my there's four of us, okay? Three girls and T's the baby boy. And we all have kids. T is the only one, which should, should be that way because he's the baby boy. So he should be the last one to have kids. Um, and he, I'll remember he pranked us about a year ago. He pranked us that him and, uh, his girlfriend were having a baby and, you know, we were like, that's not funny and blah, blah, blah. And we didn't know what to think. You know, we were like, is it, so this time around we were thinking the same thing. We were like, it's a prank. And, and so we started to kind of evaluate 
the message that he sent us because he sent us a photo and we were like, okay, wait a second. We were like, something's not right. This is so. Anyways, we found out that okay, it wasn't. We weren't being punked again. She was actually pregnant, and we were so happy. Like, I don't know. It's like our baby having a baby. So we were we were really excited and happy for them. And um, she's gonna be here like August twenty eighth to the thirtieth. Somewhere around in there, she should be here, and I'm so, so happy and excited to meet her, and I can't wait, and she's got a host of big cousins that will be ready to drive her crazy soon enough, and yeah, it's going to be different, and I I told him, I was like, "Uh, Boopy, you know, you have to actually, like, take care of it, like, you have to feed it and stuff, like, you know, just, like, once you have it, you have to, like, raise it. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, sure. he's like, he's like, I got it. I'm going to do all right. I'm do, He's going to do just fine. He's going to be a great father and he's, he's, he's going to do great. And uh, she's going to be an awesome mom and they have plenty of help and support. So they'll be, they'll be just fine, but we're super excited and happy for them. It doesn't get any better than that. So it doesn't. Now you talked about the age difference, but hypothetically, because I, I see you on Facebook and, and you're in the gym getting it in, you're putting in that work. If, <laughs> if you and you and T are in the gym together, is it a competitive thing? Who who would put in more work in the gym? Would you give him a run for his money? Would he have to be trying to keep up with you? How would that go down if y'all were both in the gym competing against each other? You know what? I think that, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. I'm not going (laughs) to, I was in the military, so I kind of have a different mentality. And I think that, ooh, I don't know. I I think he would do okay. I think it would depend on the situation. If people were watching, he probably could get me because he'd be super motivated. But if we were alone, I probably would, I'd I'd probably give him a run for his money. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of old though now. So <laughs> I probably could have I probably could have taken him back in around. Let's see. When did he have surgery? He had surgery in September. So probably in October. In October. Oh, I could have had him. I could have had him in October. I could have had him in November. But 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 anything December on, <laughs> he probably he probably could get me. He he probably could get oh, me. <laughs> <laughs> if this was you, peak Stevie in the military against him at his best right now, how would that go? I pro- I probably would still be looking looking crazy. I mean, he's pretty he's pretty legit. Like I I see him doing some work, and I'm like, wow, like. This little boy who couldn't get his own <laughs> chips and put them in a bowl, who waited to the last minute on every homework assignment, had my mom baking cupcakes and making costumes at 10 p.m. the night before, is, like, really doing some things. I'm like, okay, he, he could probably get me. I mean, he's, he's, he's a hell of an athlete. I mean, he really, really is. I was a pretty good athlete, but he's, he's, he's pretty much got that. Under control. He's he's got it. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all going to 
well, who knows how this season will go, but pre-corona normal times, do y'all go to every game home and away? Is that the plan? Or? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And at a, it's usually <clears throat> me, my mom, and my two girls, and my big sister, my little sister, my husband. They'll try to make it um, when they can. And sometimes it's just me and my mom. Um, but we like to make sure that, you know, we're there to – support him and it's 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 important for us to try and be there for him and I don't think that I don't think we have any intention or plan of missing any game that they say that we can be at this year so they say we can go we are going there you go there you go and hopefully it'll be right around the corner whether it's you know, ten games, nine, however, whatever they do, or right. all SEC games, right? However, it is, we'll be rooting for them and, and living and dying just like y'all, man. Can't wait to see. Yep, you know, it's gonna team. be awesome. Yeah, it's been awesome. Those boys you. work Thank hard. You for, yeah, it's been awesome <clears> having you <throat> on here, taking the time to talk Thank about you. tea with us and talk a little Absolutely. football and. Uh, that family <laughs> perspective uh, we see out there in the well, Twitter streets holding it down for them. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely appreciate it. And if we see you out there in the Twitter streets and uh, so keep doing your thing out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for having me. You know, I appreciate it very yeah. much. Thank you so much. And we'll get the podcast tweeted out and that way, people weren't able to catch it now. They can catch you uh, whenever they want to once we get that posted. But we we certainly appreciate you hopping on, Stevie. It's been a lot of fun. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You guys have a great evening. You do the same. Uh, you too. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, Wilson's big sister, Stevie Westmoreland on here. Getting that family perspective, big sis perspective. We had some dads on here, but never a big sis. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad, you know, the one thing I do like to see, uh, we see this from Cal's daughters on Twitter. We see this from other folks, is is the the, the family takes more, uh, uh, takes a tougher stand than the, than the player or the coach, right? They're, they're the ones saying, no, you can't come for, for my first. And, and, you know, and she made some great points about, and, and you've been banging this drum for the last seven years. You know, I know we lost to South Carolina this past season, the, uh, the Cats did. But at, one, at what point, I mean, South Carolina is not a better program. Stop picking. Stop picking South Carolina to beat Kentucky. So... <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that the family members share our frustration at the complete lack of uh, respect. Yeah, absolutely. So this year we uh, maybe got spared the disrespect since there were no SEC media days. Uh, or maybe they would have surprised us and picked Kentucky third or fourth. But, you know, based on history, that wouldn't have been the case. So, didn't have to get riled up at that because there were no media days and no 
media predictions for, uh, you know, predicted order finish like it normally is. Yeah, there would have been some more foolishness. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Always is. Always is. Cause, but we had a bunch this of fun. Is, this Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, because we we just got about you know we got seven eight minutes to our next year top song. So yeah, uh, go ahead. Thank you, go Saban. Well, this is uh, it's not really a soapbox, but when it comes to SEC media days for football and for men's basketball, I can I can save all of our media folks to go down to cover. Right, I can save you a trip. When it comes to football, no matter what happens the previous year, Kentucky's going to finish sixth in the SEC East. It doesn't matter. It, just, it doesn't matter. Every year, save, look, save your click. For men's basketball, this is what's been going on for 85 years. This is the year that Kentucky's dominance over the SEC is over. I saw Jeff Goodman send out something like that here a couple of days ago. I think he pegged Arkansas. So, again, doesn't mean Kentucky's going to win year in, year out with men's hoops, but every year, this is the year that, that Kentucky becomes an also-ran program. And it never materializes. Right? If, if the SEC didn't take care of that 06, 07, 08 run, when Florida was a champion. I believe Arkansas had a pretty good squad then. If you didn't bury Kentucky then, then we're not going to be buried. Again, not to say that we're not going to, we're going to win all of our games and, and Kentucky's going to win, but stop. Stop. I mean, the, the national folks talk about Kansas being dominant in the Big 12. Ain't nobody doing what Kentucky has done in the SEC. Nobody, no other team in any other conference that maybe Gonzaga – has more titles than everybody else combined. Like that's that's ridiculous. So every year we get these little tidbits. Oh, this is the year, Kentucky. Okay, okay. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Exactly. Exactly. We'll take a quick little break. We got Brett Fiancia of Pick Six Previews coming up at seven o'clock. Be fun to talk with him. Get some more. In-depth football perspective. This is Cash Talk Wednesday. Benny Hardy, KTV Brown, Brandon Hardy Radio Network. We'll be right on back.
I'm back, y'all. Yes, up Wednesday. Benny Hardy, Terry, TB Brown, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Thanks again to Stevie Westmoreland hopping on with us, getting some stories from young Terry Wilson perspective, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, what it's like when you are family and that's your relatives out there making plays on the field. So definitely enjoyed that. Uh, we're brought to you by Smoky Mountain Trader, uh, 423-587-1700, 563-Suite 1 West Andrew Johnson Highway. Graphics, classifies, advertising, they take care of any of that in the tri-state area, Kentucky, Virginia, Tennessee. Uh, Lynn Earls has you covered. Give them a call. Go by there. Follow them on Twitter at SMKYMTN Trader, Smoky Mountain Trader. You can take care of your needs at com slash Sarah Hardy one. You have some uh, essential oils to help you feel better, help keep you from feeling bad. If you're feeling bad, you can get yourself feeling better. Check out all the different oils there, uh, the ways to mix them and use them and utilize them to get yourself feeling better or to keep your immunity up and keep yourself feeling uh, like you want to feel. So appreciate them for helping us bring the show to you each and every week. We will call Brett Ciencia Pick 6 Previews. This guy is doing his thing, TV. He uh, reached out on Twitter and sent a complimentary copy of his college football publication. So that's how we kind of got connected. So this guy is putting in work. So we will get his number as soon as I get rest number. We can get it dialed up. Let's see. There he is. Talk a little more college football. Get his thoughts on the cats. Like I said, a lot of football on this particular Wednesday evening. And we'll call Brett to keep that line of thought rolling. Hello. Hey, Brett, man. Vinny and Terry from Cat Talk Wednesday. How you doing, man? Hey, Vinny and Terry. Uh, doing great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. Hey, appreciate Thank you for visiting us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, of course. Have your time divvied up in a lot of different directions. We are just one of like six or seven shows you're hopping on today. But just tell us, you know, I was saying before we called you, I received a complimentary copy, compliments of you, of your Pick Six Previews publication. So tell everybody what you're doing, what kind of content you're putting out there, and, and what kind of insights you're giving the college football fans? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking a read, and thanks for having me. Um, it's Pick 6 Previews. It's a uh, college football preview magazine, just like the ones you see on newsstands, uh, except it's digital, uh, digital download. And uh, over my first seven seasons, I've been graded the most accurate Power 5 BCS predictor in the country, uh, beating all the ones on newsstands. And uh, after last year's book, I was invited to become a Heisen voter. So here we are here. The, the 2020 book uh, was released in June. So it's funny, I hunkered down from December until June writing this whole book up, and then uh, right in mid-June when I release it, it flips over to radio season, 
I've done 60 shows in the last three weeks, and uh, I'm loving every second of it. Like you said, I have seven today, so I'm, I'm pumped and uh, ready to talk to Kentucky. And is it, if I remember you right, when we were messaging back and forth, are you going to Virginia, a Virginia Tech show after us? Is that what? Is that the order? Yeah, that's right on. So I did a uh, Nashville, Tennessee this morning, a Michigan, an Oregon, uh, Texas, and then here we are, Kentucky, and I got Virginia Tech after. Um, yeah, it's a one-man show here, and uh, you know I cover all 66 Power 5 programs. Uh, so I'm hopping over radios all across the country and uh, and talking football. I'm, I'm loving every second of it. So I'm sure you're going to hop on that Virginia Tech show and just go right into how Kentucky beat them in the Belt Bowl and Lynn Bowden was a one-man band <laughs> and it was Bud Foster's last game. They're just going to love you. you know, they're going to be really – uh, endeared to you if you start off with that, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. I'll, I'll send my best regards. Uh, but, uh, but, no, I mean, uh, very impressive what, what Kentucky was able to pull off last year. Um, you know, it's tough to lose a starting quarterback. It's even tougher to lose two of them. Uh, so you got to give Mark Stoops and, and company credit for going back to their roots. I mean, it's something you see at the high school or middle school level. You know, put the best athlete at quarterback behind a big offensive line and let him run wild. And, uh Incredible, incredible performance by Lynn Bowden last year. Um, enough, enough so that I have uh, four Kentucky offensive linemen on the All SEC team this year in my book. Three of which were All American candidates too. So uh, it's it's offensive line first. It's a strong defense. Yeah, well, you mentioned Bud Foster. You guys out defense them last year and going to do it again this year here at Kentucky. Um, you know, so very very impressive all around both sides of the ball. And, and this is you know, turning into a, an annual top 25 contender now. This wasn't a fluke in 2018. This is this has staying power going forward. And as you mentioned, pick6previews.com, just a couple of excerpts. Like I said, uh, I was able to get a complimentary copy, and, it, and look, y'all look this up, go purchase it, read the section about Kentucky, read what Brett has written about the SEC. Just an excerpt real quick. And this is from David Jones, who's the former president of the Football Writers Association of America. Brett Ciencia is on his way to becoming the Ken Palmore of college football. The Ken Palmore of college football. I was blown away by his dedicated research and commitment. The first time I saw how much work he sinks in the pick six previews. That's why this is in bold. That's why I immediately made him a Heisman Trophy voter in Pennsylvania. Now, you said it, and I'm not glossing over it, Brett. You said this is a one-man operation. How did did it start? What was the idea where you said this is what I'm going to do? When did you start it? And and just take us through the process. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I'm based out of Pennsylvania, and up here it's all Philadelphia Eagles talk. And uh, as a college football fan, I was kind of – I know, right? Uh, so as a college football guy, I was looking for content I couldn't find as much as I'd like, and I said, you know what, I'm going to make my own. And uh, I saw some of the national guys, they like to you know, only focus on Alabama and Ohio State and use the same one-line jokes. But I wanted to dig into all 65 or 66 of these programs because, uh, you know, when you compare the NFL to college, the NFL, you know, the 32 organizations all are pretty much the same besides the logo on the helmet there. In college, you have so many different variables, like the different offensive schemes that you see, the different defenses. Uh, you know, the recruiting strategies, the geography angle of it, the rivalries. So it was a more unique game, and I really just dug into it. Um, and, and for the listeners, what goes into this annual book is over a 1,000 hours combined of film study, of calls with head coaches, calls with coordinators, 
calls with local beat writers um, and, and local radio and podcasts because I like to dig into the details. I don't want to gloss over anything. So I'm tuning into local shows just like this one throughout the year, uh, you know, and getting right down to the, 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 the detail of it. So uh, pretty extensive uh, production, but uh, I love doing it. And, uh, and yeah, now that it's on sale, it's uh, it's straight radio season and podcasting. So, uh, and to the listeners, if you are interested, uh, type in SEC at checkout for a little uh, little discount there. Uh, now we have some sample pages too if you want to if you're curious. So go to pixixpreview.com and they can purchase it right there on the site, right? And use the promo code. Yeah, right there, pixixpreviews.com is the web page uh, on Twitter at pixixpreviews too. Um, that's all spelled out. And yeah, just type in SEC. But, uh, but yeah, so um, it, it's funny. Kentucky, I have them 23rd in the country. Normally in the SEC East, that'd be, uh, you know, first or second. But uh, this division's getting so strong now with Georgia and Florida playoff caliber at the top. I also have Tennessee up there, too. They're, they're starting to build around their offensive line, similar to, to Kentucky. Um, so 23rd nationally in a tough conference, that gets Kentucky only fourth. But um, I think with the defense and their offensive line and now getting Terry Wilson back, maybe a bit more traditional type offense. Um, I think you're starting to see this team into a legit top 25 team. Talk with Brett Ciancia, pick six previews. Bill, it himself, puts out this publication himself. Just like on a lot of other publications, that they have a big staff, Brett is doing this on his own. I, I, I kind of think, you know, and look, I'm biased. I think Kentucky will probably finish third, but you picking them fourth, and Terry, we just talked about this, you picking them fourth is still more respect than they get in SEC media days every year because it's always six. They pick them ahead of Vanderbilt, and that's it. So, Brent, you're still picking the Cats ahead of what the mass of the media that covers the SEC is picking them. So, got to give you props for that. Yeah, for sure, and, and it's no smoke and mirrors, too. It's a serious top 25 team. Uh, so one of the features of the book um, is the game grader formula. It's my analytics that I do. Um, and, and don't worry if, if you're not a numbers person, don't worry. I put it back into very readable terms and talk, you know, X's and O's and coaching schemes too. But according to the numbers, this was a top 25 team last year. They finished 25th in my game grader. And back in 2018, if you go a year back, 20th. So this is now they're starting to stack these top 25 teams. This year should be no different. Now, one note I want to point out about the, the offensive line there, I and mean, you guys know this as Kentucky fans and, and media members, you know, Kentucky has, historically has had trouble along the offensive line. You go back from 1993 to 2013, a 20 year span, 20 years, no NFL, uh, no offensive lineman drafted the NFL for 20 years. But here we are as we sit here in, in, in mid July, it's looking like they not only have one NFL draft prospect coming up offensive line wise, but four of them. I mean, uh, you know, Drake Jackson there, uh, Darian Kennard, um, Landon Young, and Luke Fortner right away. All four of them are on my all-SEC team alone. So this is a, a, you know, a, a new territory for Kentucky, building around the offensive line. It's something unique that, that hasn't been seen here in a couple generations. So that's where it starts, and that's a great place to start in the trenches uh, in a very rugged, tough SEC conference. So it's exciting. Absolutely. And, Brent, here's what I want to know, and, and we've had, you know, different recruiting guys on here and, and kind of asked them their approach and how they finish rating and evaluating one, one class and moving on to the next. Where do you even start when you're doing the publication As, by yourself? How do you keep your head from spinning, or do you like digging in so much that your head is spinning? 
And how do you, what do you do when you finish the publication? Do you even take a break or do you immediately start on the following year? How, what is your, you know, plan of action when you're putting out each edition of Pick 6 Previews? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so during the season, I'm just like everybody else, a huge fan. You know, maybe maybe a little bit too crazy with it. I have four four TV screens set up, my two laptops and the phones, right? So I'm trying to catch every game, every live game I can. I'm doing it from noon till 2 in the morning watching the Pac-12 finish up. Um, so that's every Saturday in the fall. But really the, the process for the book starts uh, right as, you know, as bowl season is happening. You're getting the last look at a lot of these teams. Uh, you know, I start diving in December through June, like I said, about a six-month window. And what I do during that is I'm looking back, you know, I'll, I'll tune into local radio and podcast shows, but I might be catching them four months later. You know, I'm, I go back and listen to September and October, getting the game recaps, the reports, uh, just to dig into the details wow. even more. Um, and then, yeah, and then also during the spring, normally I'd have spring games to watch. Uh, you know, I'm one of those that watches every spring game and not so much to see if blue beats white per se, you know, the score doesn't matter, but you want to see the early enrollee freshmen, uh, the new starters, uh, how the new coordinators and schemes are looking. Uh, and then after spring, I do my coach and coordinator calls. Uh, this year I was able to talk to five head coaches, uh, power five coaches and about 30 coordinators at these power five programs. So it's just great to, to connect with them, uh, hear some insights on the ground and how they look in spring and how they're, you know, uh, how the X's and O's are looking. Uh, and then, yeah, then, I mean, yeah, so I'm kind of going on and on here, but it is a one-man show. you got to wear a lot of hats. So uh, after that, I go into the writing and then the editing and the designing. I mean, you guys see it in the publication. It's all, you know, it's all done by me. So um, you gotta you got to wear a lot of different hats, a lot of different uh, roles, but I do it all. Uh, and then the social media, obviously. And then you asked about once it hits the shelves, what happens then? I mean, after it's done and it's on the shelves, uh, I have to, you know, put the, almost the salesman hat on, if you will. I go back to Twitter and start <laughs> hyping up the book. You know, I start uh, sending out the all-conference teams to the, the different programs. I actually saw Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky shared my all-conference, all-SEC picks and all-American picks, I think, last week, mid-last mid week. So uh, the official Twitter program tweeting that, or the official Twitter account tweeting that, and that was pretty cool. So that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there's always something to do. I'm loving every second of it. And, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's a 365-day thing. Man, it is, it is unbelievable. And just for context, you know, those, those other publications that we're not going to talk about, how many people, you know, on average would you – I don't know if you know or could you, you know, fathom a guess yeah. – are on this Yeah, staff. for sure. You're doing all this by yourself. How many are on the staffs of these publications that have multiple people? Yeah, so I think most of the, the pre, uh, you know the preview magazines that you would see on newsstands and in stores, what they do is they would have one writer per team. I mean, and, and those writers individually each do good work. But, for example, it would be you'd have one Kentucky guy that writes the Kentucky preview, and then you'd have a Tennessee guy that writes Tennessee, uh, usually a local beat writer or, or someone on a newspaper nearby near these, near these campuses. So uh, at the end of the day, you're talking probably 100, 130 writers, uh, probably some national editors and writers. Then you have your design team, photo team, uh, social media team, probably. Uh, you have a sales office, a customer support. It's a whole, you know, it's huge. And then they go to distribution uh, and, get, and get placed on retail on shelves. So uh, we're talking huge organizations here. Um, but uh, when it comes down to it, I mean, yeah, I, I try and um, keep, keep pace with them. I take some angles differently than they do. Like I said, I touch more on coaching schemes. Uh, you know, program history. You, my, the goal with my book really is for you to flip to your favorite team and then be able to learn a lot about your program. 
then obviously you learn more about the opponents too. But even the team you're most familiar with, I want you to be able to go in there, uh, learn about your team, learn about your program history, maybe some, some cool stats you didn't know about because uh, it's a super deep dive and I try and you know bring more value than uh, what you would buy in one of the, the, ma- the magazines there. Hey, y'all, this is really well done, and Brett doesn't cut any corners. Uh, pick it up, read the Kentucky section, read other teams if you want to, read other conferences if you want to. Was was your ultimate goal, Brett, and this is Brett Samantha of Pick 6 Previews we're talking with, was your ultimate goal to, like, man, I want to get a high school out of all this? Was that just gravy? When, when, when dude said, I immediately – made him a Heisman Trophy voter in Pennsylvania. Were you, were you like, you know, is this what I've been hoping for? Or were you blown away and surprised? What was that moment like for you? Yeah, I was mostly – I was surprised, to be honest, and uh, it wasn't even really a personal thing. It was because I'd say 99% of the Heisman voters out there are writers that cover one team. So you'd have your Kentucky Wildcats beat writer that's been covering Kentucky for 30 years is probably a Heisman voter, or the Louisville writer for 30 years is a Heisman voter. It's pretty rare for – you know, uh, what started as a Twitter account and then moved into a website and then into a preseason publication nationally, it's rare to have a national guy uh, as a Heisman voter. And, and Dave Jones, who you quoted earlier, the guy in charge of Pennsylvania Heisman, uh, said said as much. I mean, he said that, yeah, we have some Penn State, some Pitt, some Temple. Uh, it'd be nice to bring a national guy into our electorate. And, um, you know, he was blown away by the research and level of detail by all the teams I do. So I, it's kind of rare to get in as a national, quote-unquote, national guy. Um, so that, I was shocked by that. I was shocked by how quickly, because, again, last year, 2019, was the first time I put a price tag on the book. Uh, the first time, the first seven years, it was free, and I was doing great with it. But I figured, hey, I mean, this is a real, it's a huge endeavor. I want to try the market. Uh, and then when I put it out there for sale, the feedback was huge, and that's when it started to really take off. So I like to think I'm just getting started. Uh, hopefully, you know, spread the presence online. Our fan bases, Kentucky fans have been great so far. I mean, we started to connect a little bit last year on Twitter with Kentucky um, I, I was tweeting out a ton of Lynn Bowden highlights because I felt like no one nationally was talking about this. You know, you have basically an SEC program <laughs> running the Wildcat and, and beating teams to win it. You know, they're, they're dominating teams in the trenches. So I just felt that no one was talking about this. They'd rather, you know, argue about, you know, who's better, Burrow or Tua for an hour. I mean, I like all these, you know, these guys aren't getting the, the credit they deserve. So I think I connected with a lot of Kentucky fans last fall and uh, looking to continue that this summer and into this fall. So, uh, again, yeah, so I, I, you know, it, it's a passion of mine. The Heisman vote was, I guess you could call it gravy, because I was never expecting it as a national voice. But uh, I like to think it's just getting started. TB, man, he jumps, as soon as he jumps in and starts coming to Kentucky seriously, he sees immediately that they're not getting the respect and credit that they deserve. You know, we've been crying this for years. And, and also point, pointing out that Kentucky fans are online like very few other fan bases. If you say something positive or if you say something negative, Kentucky fans will find you, especially on Twitter. I think that's that's the one thing when we talk to national folks, they will say if you say something good or say something bad, Kentucky fans will find you online. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think people might forget uh, because they look at the basketball success and might just write them off as a basketball-only program. Uh, It's a huge following in basketball, but don't forget, there's people like football too. And uh, now that it's a competitive unit for a couple years in a row, um, you know, all those jokes about being a basketball school, you can, you can put that on hold down until January instead of until, you know, mid-October. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. It's cool to see the fan base, uh, you know, activated football-wise too. Um, 
yeah, I'm excited for you guys as a base and as media members being able to cover this thing because I don't think we've had sustained success down there in quite some time. So, um, but yeah, it couldn't happen to a to a more passionate base. I mean, like you said, they they come out in droves whenever you mentioned Kentucky. Um, the Kentucky official account, like I said, tweeted me and uh, you know picked up a ton of followers just from that and I've uh, gotten some great DM questions and and again always send in your questions or emails anything. Love researching these stats and connecting with fans so. Uh, it's been great. And when you started, your your pinned tweet, you know, you're announcing that you have been selected to become a Heisman voter, and you thank all the readers and listeners and followers since day one in 2012. 2012 was look, Kentucky's history in football. You, know, you talk about the 10 win season in 2018. Prior to that, it hadn't happened since 1977. That's the year I was born. So that's, that's, you know, a gauge of how lean the years have been for Kentucky football. But you started Pick 6 Previews in 2012. That was kind of rock bottom for Kentucky football. You're transitioning from Joker Phillips to Mark Stoops. Joker goes 2-10 and 10 in his final season. Stoops goes 2-10 and 10 in his first season. And then we've seen the slow, gradual building of the program that Stoops has done. So you've kind of been there from day one of the Stoops era, and you've seen the maturation and evolution of, of Kentucky's program since you've been there. Yeah, that, that is ironic timing. I kind of joined in when it was at rock bottom. Uh, I see that here in my game grader uh, stack graphic here. I mean, it was third worst in the country uh, in Power 5 football in 2012, Kentucky. And uh, I remember those initial years, it was kind of a, a debate between do I put Vanderbilt or do I put Kentucky in last in the SEC East? Um, so you've come a long way. It used to be that was the, the big debate in the SEC East. But, uh, you know, you go from being the, the conference punching bag now to, you know, those uh, from 14 to 2017, they were still competitive teams, you know, about average, maybe a slight below average. But then with 2018, man, the defense took over, uh, you know, broke that 10-win barrier down. I get the huge win over Penn State. Uh, I'll tell you, the people here in Pennsylvania are, are still upset about that one. Um, so, yeah, big season there. And then to follow it up last year uh, with another bowl win, an eight-win year in what I mentioned was, uh, I mean, uh, an emergency Wildcat situation. So, I, you know, the 10-win season's incredible, but I'd almost argue that the coaching job last year was even arguably as, as good, if not better, um, given the, the extreme injury situation, the youth on defense. We haven't talked about the defense. It was extremely young coming into last year after the 18 unit mostly graduated and went to the pros. Uh, not only, I mean, with a super young defense, they were still a top 25 caliber. Now everyone's back. Now all that youth turns to veteran experience, and uh, it's looking like a, a complete team. Absolutely. Uh, one final thing before we let you go. You know, you were made immediately a Hazel voter right there at the end of, the, of 2019. Were, was it too late to vote? For last year's Heisman race with Joe Burrow, so were you able to get a vote in last year? Or will this year be the first time you actually get to vote as a Heisman voter? Yeah, so I, I got in right there uh, for the 2019 vote, and I think like like 92% of the other voters, I also had Joe Burrow winning it. It was a common pick. I think it was the, the biggest landslide in Heisman history, uh, percentage-wise. Now, one thing about the Heisman I'll tell you was pretty cool is, um, you know, it was the most secure thing I've ever logged into. The, the ballot is electronic now. So they email you, and then they give you a password, a second password, 
and then they call you to confirm your identity. It's the most secure thing in the world. It's it's crazy, but uh, <laughs> nah, it was a cool experience. You know, you log in, it's got your ballot there. You know, welcome, Brett Sianci, everything, and uh, you know, just I get goosebumps about because I mean, being a college football fan my whole life, I mean, that is the ultimate honor. And uh, you know, and and one note to the to the fans out there, I'm I'm gonna keep an open mind with different positions. Uh, you see a lot of these voters just pick the the quarterback on the on the playoff team, but I'm gonna look at everything involved. I, I know I just said I voted for Burrow, but that was a uh, you couldn't deny him this year, but uh, in general, I'll keep an open mind. Look at all these positions. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I feel confident that no one out here is doing the film study I'm doing uh, nationally. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that honor. So, as, as of, you know, July 22nd at 7:21, if you had a – and look, everybody does it not too early this, not too early that. What would be your not too early – force them to be in New York at the downtown athletic club. If you had to pick right now. Yeah. So my first answer will be some chalk. It'll be Justin Fields. I mean, he was 51 touchdowns last year, just three picks. Uh, it's a perfect roster around him at Ohio state. They're probably going to be 12 and 0. I'll go with fields as the favorite. Now the other three seats, I think you're going to see some breakout seasons. One from Chuba Hubbard, Oklahoma state's running back. He actually rushed for 2000 yards last year. Uh, and towards the end of the year, his quarterback and his star receiver were both knocked out, meaning a lot more pressure. They were stacking the box on him. He was uh, kind of contained. But now with those guys healthy, I think he breaks out again for 2,000. Uh, and then two quarterbacks that are flying under the radar a bit on great offenses are Sam Howell from UNC and Keaton Slovis from USC, Southern Cal. Uh, these are offenses that are going to throw the ball 30, 40, 50 times a game. They're going to have a ton of stats and, and passing yards and touchdowns. Uh, and hopefully if they're on winning teams and division champ teams, then they'll be in the conversation. Man, that is just excellent insight, just like all the insight you'll get in Pick 6 previews for this upcoming season, the 2020 preview on sale now. Brett Sienzia, Pick6Previews.com. Man, congratulations on all your success. And uh, When things slow down for you, if you have a spot later in the season, maybe we can get you on again, but uh, you definitely deserve all the exposure you're getting by hopping on all these radio shows for all the work you put in, man. This is this is amazing. Yeah, thanks, Vinny, Vinny and Terry, for having me. I really appreciate that praise. And, uh, yeah, I'll come back anytime. And hopefully we're talking some SEC in the fall with some real games. And, uh, and yeah, and thanks for the work you guys put in, too. Like I said, I love the local and radio, local podcast and radio. I'm tuning in throughout the season and off season. So keep up the great work, too, and we'll be in touch. Hey, thanks so much. Thank you so man. much. Uh, don't throw those Hokies too hard next, man. Yeah, right. I'll go easy on them. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Brett, man. Thank you so much. See you guys. Thanks. Brett, Ciancia, pick6previews.com. Man, TV, this dude is doing it all by himself. It is crazy. Uh, if y'all go, he's got a little sample stuff on the site. Uh, he said he emailed me a DM me a, a copy of it. I think I retweeted him or something like that. And he followed and uh, sent me a copy of the preview, just like you see with these publications. But it's just him doing it all, which is just insane. Yeah, when I when I was researching, you told me we were going to have on uh, a one man operation to cover all of the uh, all the teams, you know, and that's what happens, right? Like he pointed out, that we've been talking about. A lot of times these previews, these voters, it's beat writers for local teams, and that's all they know. 
right? I don't expect the beat writer for Alabama to know about the depth chart of Kentucky football. It, that's just in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Looking at it, well, I don't expect the beat writer for Nebraska football to know about Kentucky, Kentucky's depth chart, right? So a lot of times what happens, we see this, and I don't want to call it bias, but I guess it is kind of bias. What happens is when when the voters come out with these polls, right, these preseason polls, what happens is they don't really know the roster from one year to the next. And we see this happen in college football. We see this happen in men's basketball as well, where a team just off name alone gets in the top 25, right? We've seen that. When it comes to college football, I'm thinking about Texas. You know, the season starts in September. Texas beats some directional school, and then we get the uh, the story, is Texas back, right? We get that story. <laughs> college football hasn't begun until we get our, is Texas back, right? Now, conversely, no. and, and full disclosure, it happens in men's basketball because there's no way, no way, that the 2013 Kentucky Wildcats should have been in the top ten, let alone number one, right? Like, that should not have happened. That team was not that good. But coming off the national championship with the number one recruiting class, people just assume, right? I am of this mindset, let's – I know we have the preseason polls, but let's not make these official polls until, until we get some games under our belt, right? Let's 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 see what we got. Because you know, yeah. I don't think it's fair for a team to be ranked high and then lose and fall all the way out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's unfair. I think that's part of the situation. And I've had this discussion with folks looking at the 2013 Wildcats. Had that team been ranked like number 18, 19, 20 instead of number one, I think that season goes differently. But what happens is you're ranked number one, you lose a couple of games, the chatter starts, right? Mm -hmm. I think had they been ranked a little bit lower to start the season, it's not necessarily a panic mode. But like everybody else, Mm. I'm – and I'm guilty. I'm not saying anything that I'm not myself guilty of. You're on the high after winning the national championship, right? And Anthony Davis and those guys, and boys get it. 38-2, number one recruiting class coming in. But like I said before, this year's number one recruiting class may not equate to last year's number one recruiting class, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you know, with that number one ranking and things kind of not being great, I think that added a little bit of pressure to the players a little bit. They thought, hey, hey, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm generalizing here. Hey, we're, we're ranked number one. We should be pretty good. Instead of, hey, we're number 19, we're number 20, we got to put the work in. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. just a little theory I have uh, when it comes to these polls. And even during the season, you see it, right, with the coaches' poll. And we know the coaches 
like I spilled the beans about Cal and his social media. Coaches aren't voting. It's the SID. It's somebody that's voting. And you can't expect these coaches, you can't expect, again, these beat writers, you know, if, if you're covering Florida State football, right, and Florida State has a game, how are you watching what's going on on the West Coast? Right? Yeah. And we see that sometimes. We see that with Heisman voting, that, that, that the good players out West don't necessarily get that love because the games are all too late. We see that with the team. You remember, uh, was it the Joey Harrington, uh, uh, Oregon Duck of 03, maybe? Mm-hmm. I'm dating myself. They, were, they <laughs> should have probably played for a national championship, but didn't because not enough people saw him play. You know, and we see that a right. lot with uh, college basketball as well. It's, it's, you know, and, it, and I'm not trying to pick on these sports writers, but if you're covering a team, your local team, that's where your resources are going to be, right? You're not going to watch the Mountain West. You're not going to watch the Pac-12. You might not even watch the Big 12 or the Big 10. I mean, think about it. You and I have covered games at Kroger Field, at Rupp Arena. Now, granted, you know, we're not working for, you know, big-time outfits, but just simply going to the game is a time commitment. you got to get there two hours before tip. You've got to stay mm-hmm. an hour or two after the game is over. How, you know, and I, I think about that sometimes, driving back from Lexington to Louisville. How would I watch anything else? You know, you go yeah. to uh, Kroger Field to cover a game. I and people are talking about you know this other college football game, and I have no idea mm-hmm. what's going on because I've been in this bubble. So I'm not saying mm-hmm. that it's easy to do. I'm just saying what we're asking of these people in these poll voters is it's a lot. So I am glad yeah. that the one thing with the college football playoff is. We've got people that are dedicated to not just one team that can watch a bunch of teams and kind of rate them like that. So I guess that was my soapbox for for Zig. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm with you. I'll never forget it. Um, it was Kentucky-Tennessee this year, football, Crowe Field, and – I think that game started at, it was 7, like SEC Network, game of the week, 7 o'clock kick. But, you know, me being three hours away, you want to get up there and you leave it. You'll leave it 2, get up there at 5. And the 3.30 game was Alabama-LSU. Both of them undefeated, both of them like 8-0 or whatever. And you get little bits and pieces of it or, you know, hearing whatever I had on ESPN radio or whatever, getting score updates. And I think it started off close, but I remember parking. By the time I parked or got, you know, the Cooper Drive or whatever and got in there and parked and walked to Kroger Field, it would have been a close game. But when I got up there and set my stuff down, and LSU had blown it open and were up like 20. It was like 33 to 13. And I was like, what in the world? 
you know, and I think it's at Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. I'm like, what kind of flurry did I miss that now LSU is blowing this game open? But, yeah, that's, that's just, you know, to your point, there is just no way when you cover one. It's like you are you, – you said it. You're in your own little bubble. You're totally out of the loop as to what happens the rest of the day. And, and it's not like, you know, when you're at home watching the game and you can flip over to another game. When you're covering, mm-hmm. right, and you're trying to, to uh, uh, focus on the game in front of you, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah, sure is. Uh, maybe one thing, you know, things get back to normal and we'll be able to have that problem again. <laughs> covering yeah. games and being in the press box again but <laughs> hopefully down the road that'll be the case again some more Kentucky notes man just uh and look you know how we are we don't really talk it talk it until it really happens but this Adam Kunkel kid from Belmont has transferred he's from northern Kentucky grew up a Kentucky fan he can shoot the lights out uh, Kentucky has reached out. A lot of other schools have reached out as well. Maybe he has to sit out. Maybe he doesn't. I, my thought was, you know, as crazy as the NCAA is, if he transfers and say he does to Kentucky, he'll probably get a waiver approved before Olivier starts. start. Uh, and that wouldn't surprise me at all. But he can really shoot. This team has a lot of guards already, but, you know, it's just buzz that, you know, Kentucky reached out. He's from Kentucky. Uh, I always love the in-state guys, uh, so we'll see how that plays out. If Adam Coco is a cat, and you know that still remains to be seen, but that's some of the buzz from those who really follow the recruiting and the acquiring of players, even though they are already players. So it would still be recruitment and just be a college player that's being wooed instead of a high school player. Yeah, you know, I always – I'm going to save my energy for, for when they actually get on <laughs> onto campus. But I do know that folks, they, they love them Kentucky boys. They they love those homegrown guys. I don't know if you saw a uh, friend of the show, Oscar Combs, tweeting out an article uh, from Bear Bryant during his run in Lexington. And he was dealing with yeah. the same kinds of things that, that fans wanted. More Kentucky guys, and, and so uh, as, as often said, there's nothing new under the sun. What is old is new again. Absolutely, uh, that is biblical. But I also heard. I mean, my mom told me that, and it stuck with me. I don't know. I was seventh, eighth grade, and was running and telling them some new song that I heard on the radio, and they're like, "That's just a remake of such and such." Ain't nothing new. I was like, what? They're like, yeah. They took a beat from such and such that me and your daddy listened to when we was um And I was, you know, my mouth hit the floor because I thought I had some new song that they was going to like. And it was just, you know, a sample. It was somebody covering something they already knew. So ain't nothing new at all. That's right. That's right. So, you know, all the, all the it, short it, shorts it, it, that these kids liking now, all these short shorts now, I mean, look, look at Calvin Murphy and all them back in the day. It's just stuff circling back. <laughs> that, that, that's the, that's the uh, 
Isaiah Briscoe that used to roll up his uh, waistband and, and the shorts got a little high on him. Uh, you know, that, that's kind of coming. That's, you know, like I said, it, it all comes back. It, it all comes back. Yep. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, one person that is actually back on campus, uh, and that is C.J. Conrad, who's been hired as a grad assistant. His career got cut short with the heart issue at the combine, so uh, we don't have to, you know, speculate as to whether he'll be back or not. He has decided to come back to Kentucky as a GA, and that's 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 great. Uh, you love to see uh, guys come back into the fold, and as we just talk about, you know, the homegrown kids, we do love those that that, that played that are able to come back and. And, and, and work with the program. Got quite a few former camps uh, on the coaching side of things now, so uh, that's definitely good to see. And outside of Kentucky sports, you and I could actually mutually agree on this, and this is rare, but we both, you know, from a sports sense, hate the Packers. You as a Niners fan can say that. Me as a Cowboys fan can say that. But congratulations to Darius Smith, former cat, who has been rated the number one edge rusher in the NFL. He is tearing it up for those Green Bay Packers. So congratulations to him, even though we personally can't root for those cheeseheads. Good to see him having success up there and, and getting recognized for it. Yeah, when are we gonna? When is Kentucky gonna get that label of of? of Edge rusher youth between Zadarius Smith, Bud Dupree, and, and Josh mm-hmm. Allen. That's three pretty elite dudes. And I'd have to Google this information, but at one point in time, Dupree, uh, those three guys were, were in the top ten in sacks in the league. Uh, uh, Josh Allen was leading rookies at one point in time. So at what point is Kentucky going to get that label? That, 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 hey, they, they're producing some, some some pretty tough dudes there. Uh, but like you said, I, I am in no way a fan of the Packers, but I will always <laughs> uh, root for uh, I will root for the, the the former Cats, whatever they're doing, soccer, baseball, volleyball, softball, wherever they go, uh, I'm going to definitely pay attention to and root for uh, root for those Cats. Yeah, and so as far as the Packers go, that's that's as good as it's going to get coming from the two of us as far as they're concerned, what we just said. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, MLB opening day starts tomorrow. Uh like baseball games really count tomorrow. Uh, so the 60 game sprint will really be underway. Yeah, you know, I understand we, we want sports. And as you and I have talked about during these Rona times, we, we want to have some sports. Uh, but here is my thought about that I want to have the sports, okay? But I think we need to be prepared as sports watchers, sports lovers, 
the games are going to be different. And I mean, just what the product we're going to see on television isn't going to be the same product that we're used to seeing. So, yes, it's better than nothing, but I hope we kind of go into this understanding of, hey, this is going to be weird. I listened to uh, the ESPN Daily podcast with Mina Khan, and last week, I believe, she was talking about they were covering the sound of the game. What is the NBA going to sound like? And uh, she was talking to Mike Breen, and he was talking about as a play-by-play guy how he uses the crowd as context clues for how he needs to project, right? If there's a chant going on, if there's, you know, you get the, if uh, you're at home and the hometown player gets a foul call or something like that, or the hometown team finally gets a break and, they, and the crowd does that jeering kind of thing, you know, uh, and I see a lot of people discounting that, but the crowd is part of it. And these guys, these professionals, these, these ladies for the WNBA and the Women's Soccer League, uh, Sue Bird was talking about just it, it's going to be different because, you know, calling out plays is going to be an issue because everybody can hear everything. Uh, I forget the center. They had an NFL center on talking about, you know, they've been discussing, you know, when players get in the huddle in the football they're only like six or seven yards from the line of scrimmage or whatever it is, they're going to have to move back <laughs> because the other, the opposing <laughs> defense is going to hear what you're saying. And people may not think that's a big deal, but crowd noise is such an issue. It's why you want home court advantage. It's why you want home field advantage. You know, we see the stories. Uh, like we were talking about earlier, going down to Florida, when you've got 100,000 people cheering against you, right, and in the practice leading up to those games, but they pump in noise, they play music, well, it's going to be completely different and very sanitized, I should say, without a crowd. Like, you're going to hear the bounce of every ball when it comes to NBA. You're going to hear the ball hitting the catcher's mitt in Major League Baseball. Like, you're going to hear that. And I, it's just going to be a different kind of product. Uh, I don't know uh, how they're going to go about pumping in fake crowd noise, but it's going to be weird to hear this crowd and not see the crowd. Right? So there's just going to be this, this, this weirdness to these games. And, uh, again, I hope they go off without a hitch. I hope no one gets sick. But without the crowd and with protocol, I don't know if you saw, I think it was yesterday or today, you know, the, the benches for the NBA are going to look different, right? They're, they're going to be separated and spaced out and wiped down after timeouts and that kind of thing. It's just going to be a different product than we're used to seeing. And I'm not saying I don't want to see it, but people need to understand it's going to look and, and more importantly, sound very, very different. Uh, also, Mike Breen said that, uh, you know, he does the three-man booth. It's him and Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. 
and he was talking about the dynamics of that three-man booth as he's doing the play-by-play. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson will tap him when they want to interject something. Because I've always wondered, how do you make that work in a three-man booth or just a two-man booth? Like, how do you how do you not talk over each other all the time? And he was just talking about Ooh. there's these, these these other cues, but I believe they're going to be in the arena, in the NBA bubble, but they're not going to be courtside. They're going to be up a little bit, and uh, they haven't decided if there's going to be plexiglass between the three of them or if they're just going to be sitting, you know, the six feet apart. But they're not going to have that. So that's going to be a different challenge for the play-by-play and color people as well if they can't use their usual cues to engage each other. So I, I just hope that when these games start and with, we'll, we'll get baseball starting uh, tomorrow or Friday. Tomorrow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a game tomorrow, yeah. It's not going to be the same. I mean, I, I, you know, we've seen some of these exhibition games. Guy hits a home run, and it clangs on the empty bleachers in the outfield. <laughs> like, that's just <laughs> – I mean, it, and at least in the NBA, they're going to be in these, a smaller facility. But, but can you imagine, you know, Dodger Stadium, a ball just clanging in empty seats. Like, that is going to be such a weird sight, right? You know, a walk-off home run, bottom of the night for the Cubs, and Wrigley is silent. Like, that is – I think we need to – it's like – what was that Will Smith movie where I can't think of it, you know, where he's kind of the last man in New York. I am legend. It's going to look Uh like that. Where they show the visual of Times Square – empty and your mind is trying to, you know, see what's going on. Uh, You know, for me, and we talked about covering games, you know, you go to Rupp Arena, you go to Kroger Field, and when you're leaving after the game and it's just empty and your mind's like, this is weird, right? You know, I remember the first time I covered a game, stayed late, and they had, after they had cleaned up, and they turned the lights down, I'm like, this feels weird. So we're going to see a lot of that with these games where, yes, it's going to be sports, but it's still, you know, everybody wants to get back to normal, whatever that is, but it ain't going to be normal. Like it's not going to be, you know, like it was, especially, you know, baseball. You think about, uh, you know, in the foul territory, at the the fence with home runs, how the crowd kind of interjects themselves. You know, you think about a Steve Bartman type play, like, it's going to be just completely sanitized and different. I know I can't talk about Bartman too much. Yeah. <laughs> when you're sniffing out of the cup, I can't you, talk about Bartman too much. Surprise you said that name. <laughs> oh, she don't catch me. She don't catch me. But <laughs> Michelle will too. She lives there. Michelle will catch me too for saying it. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. But it's just going to be a different feel to it. You know, and when NFL comes out, you know, the, your Cowboys coming out to, to – uh, uh, Jerry World, AT&T Stadium, and it's empty. What? Like, <laughs> you know, or even if it's just 10,000 people, that's that's still not a lot. It's just going to be a different. Not thing, in the, you know, the Chiefs, No, and, and the Chiefs are, are, are going to, 
you know, raise their banner or whatever they do, you know, with the Super Bowl, and they're going to – it's going to not – Arrowhead's not going to be the same. Levi Stadium mm-hmm. not going to be the same. You know, we don't like the Packers, but Lambeau is not going to be the same without the crowd. And if things – and I, can, I keep my fingers crossed, and I hope this comes to pass, if we get to college basketball, Rupp Arena with 6,000 people in it or thereabouts, really? Wow. Yeah. That's not even. That's going to be. That's not even state tournament crowd capacity. I mean, state tournament right, is way more right. than that, and it's. I mean, crazy. Right, because I covered uh, a women's one of the women's games that was in Rupp Arena, and they had like thirteen, fourteen thousand people, which is a lot of people. But in Rupp Arena, mm-hmm. it just didn't look right. So we're going to yeah. see a lot of that. You know, um, we're going to see a lot of that if Kentucky. And, and Louisville play is it is it it's young this year, and you only have six thousand people for that game. Are you kidding me? It's going to be weird. We're going to see yeah. Duke and Carolina at the D Dome under with like four thousand people. Right? Yeah, we may get sports, but please don't think it's going to get back to normal uh, anytime soon. And like you had already been mentioning for for weeks, you know the. The product on the field when baseball starts back, you know, when you, you jump into these 60 games, yeah, they have some exhibition games. And that's weird. I haven't been watching a whole lot, but I did flip on last night, and it was the Dodgers and the Angels. And the cardboard cutout people behind home plate in Dodgers gear was just it was just crazy. Um, so, yeah, and now you, you talk about how the, the product is going to be different. Yeah, the NBA's got a few games, you know, to get it going again uh, before the playoffs. The NFL just canceled the entire preseason. So, you, I mean, yeah. imagine how sloppy that's going to be if the NFL gets up and running, which they, you know, keep saying they're just going to not change anything, but yet they just had to cancel their entire preseason. Um and we, everybody thinks preseason is meaningless and, and doesn't like it. And, you know, those four games are, you know, do away with them. You know, the third game is the only game where they really play hard. I've never been anti-preseason. Look, I like the guy from UPS just trying to make the team and he gets the audition and maybe he makes the practice squad somewhere else. If he gets cut here, he's got a chance to latch on there. I like all that. And that's going away. So right. imagine how rough and, and janky – Week one is going to be when the games really count, and 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 there's there's that aspect of it. Another thing, see anybody who's played basketball at any level knows that there's trash talking. Okay, anybody that knows that that, that has played basketball with grown folks, whether it's women or men, know the trash talking. It ain't PG thirteen, right? Ordinarily, uh, we can't hear that during the game. We are going to, and I forget who it was that was talking to me to Kyle during that podcast. And whoever's in control of the dump button, of the bleep button, you've got to be paying attention. <laughs> because I know what we hear already. And you know, you watch games and you can catch somebody saying, get the bleep out of here. Or bleep. It, it, it's Kevin going to be, yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> This bleep can't guard me. Like we, like, <laughs> they're going to have to do something to not pick up all the sound. Uh, 
And another note um, uh, that, that, that NFL coaches and, you know, even baseball coaches and basketball coaches, when coaches are calling out the play, right, like we're going to be able to hear everything. That, and, and, and some of those coaches aren't too happy with that. The NBA coaches in particular are, are, are concerned about real time. You know, hearing the play calls, mm-hmm. uh, like we talk about, you know, the, the NFL and even college to that point, where the, the huddle is. You know, <laughs> you have to move that back. Well, if the gym is quiet, and it's not going to be church quiet, they're still going to play some of the, the, you know, NBA arenas play that music and whatnot. But still, you're going to be able to hear what the other team is doing in the huddle. You're not going to have that crowd. It's going to be weird, right? It's going to be really, really weird. And there's going to take some adjustment period for all these guys. Yeah. Sure will. So it's <laughs> yeah, one day at a time, one minute at a time. It's wondered if you'd even make it there. And, and, and there's, there's still maybe stoppages and interruptions and things of that nature. But, yeah, so – Baseball and I guess hockey's about to do the same thing, so we'll see how it goes. And, 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 and uh, the you know, what Cal says the good thing, you know, with Kentucky, all the guys are you know on campus now. I think Isaiah Jackson was the last one to arrive, and like Cal has been saying, it's the good thing is they are kind of in a bubble. You know, you got the craft center, you got Rupp, they're just going to get their food. Everything's been clean. Nobody's been in there. Hopefully that bodes well for them now that they're back. Um, so, it, I mean, that's one benefit of the way the layout is at Kentucky. Uh, for the basketball players, now, you know, the rest of the students coming back and all having to be tested in that nature, but there is a bubble-like situation already in place with the way it's set up for the men's basketball team. Right, right. So, you know, in, in the NBA, their bubble looks good. I think this entire last few days, they didn't have any positive tests. So that's great. But the season hasn't started yet. Right? Right. You know, once they start playing against each other, and if you're, and, and you know, and I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but if your team is getting, if you're not going to make, if you're one of those teams that's not going to make the playoffs, this is going to take a lot of discipline for you to not break the rules if you're on your way out, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, we're asking a lot of these guys, and I understand there's money and all this kind of stuff, and, and I'm not trying to be a, a Debbie Downer. Like I said, I want the leagues to come back. But still a lot of variables, but it's good to see no positive tests in the NBA bubble to this point. Mm-hmm. And, look, I'm on – I'm gonna plug it again, but you know, the, the leave in Kentucky with Tony Duck. I do y'all definitely check that out. And just like we'll plug the mess out of your pregame and postgame show once we get football back. I asked Tony this stuff. I'm like, look, he's been out of the game for a while, but he played long enough to still have perspectives. You know, he's not like he's 80 years old and played 50 years ago. I. I I asked him a few weeks ago, at different phases of your career, how would you have handled this corona situation? 
the last episode, I asked him how would he have handled the bubble. Same question. And he said it himself. If I'm first just in the league, say I'm, you know, 21 to 25, 26, he said I probably would have been struggling to follow the guidelines. He said, I'm not saying I would have been reckless, but I'm saying I might not have been following the rules. He said, I might have been trying to go out and not have a mask on. He said, Cause, I can't be cool with a mask on unless it's a Louis Vuitton mask or something like that. And then he said, if I'm 27 to 33, 34, I'm, I'm – I'm chilling. I'm I'm laying low. I'm not trying to wild out and just go crazy and act a fool. You know, different phases of life you live and learn. But he himself said, if I'm playing and I'm young, I'm probably not following the guidelines. But there's, there's a lot of people with that mentality. You know, like we just said earlier, you you, you do stupid stuff when you're 21. Right. Right, and, and, you know, and I'm not saying that these kids are, are bad kids or anything like that, but as we said earlier, talking about William Gabriel, man, the stuff I was doing at 21, 22, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. You know, I see people talk about, man, I wish they had picture phones when I was in college. I do not. <laughs> I'm glad there was no social media. I'm glad that there's only a few Polaroids. <laughs> Floating around yeah. some of my antics. Oh no! Oh no! You know, I, I nobody. I will just have, you know, take with me the memories. Yeah, I oh buddy no. Oh no! So you know, I don't know about these guys. He just worked in. He just worked in the end of road reference. <laughs> I, you know, I'm gonna take with me these memories, man. Yeah. I don't need pictures for that. Don't need pictures for it. Woo! I can lean back oh, and uh, but, you know, the, the thing about all this stuff, when we look at the bubbles and the this and the that, all it takes is one person. All it takes is just one. Yeah. Right? It just takes one person doing something they probably shouldn't have been doing, and then the next thing you know, so that's the scary part. That's the frustrating part is it's not just saying most of the guys got to do what they got to do. It's every single person. You know, the NBA, mm-hmm. the NBA bubble, it's everybody. It's every employee. It's everybody that comes, that cooks the food. It's, it's everybody. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm hoping for the best, but, you know, so we'll see. We'll see. My concern is for people, when the game starts, it's going to be weird. Like, it's just going to be yeah. a different product than we're used to seeing. I, you know, because I, you know, I don't even think fans are going to be – will be there. You know, at, the, at a lot of these games, we're talking about college. Can you imagine the University of Michigan running out into the field of the big house and no hail to the victors? Mm. You know, Notre yeah. Dame walking into Notre Dame Stadium and no, you know, you know the, the waking up the echo. Whatever that is. You know. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I don't know what you call that. You know, are they going to, you know, this this sounds silly, but for college football, uh, you know, my thing is, are there going to be mascots? Right? Right. You know, when is the last time Florida State came out at Dope Campbell Stadium and, and, and the Seminole Chief uh, didn't come out and throw the flaming spear into the ground? 
or Colorado come mm-hmm. running out with the Buffalo or Texas and Bevo. Like, that's part of it. Is that still going to be, you know, um, and the Kentucky game, we've talked about the cheerleaders. Are they not going to be there? Like, it's so much that goes into these games that will be missing. It's going to be dramatically different. Yeah. Um, and as far as Mike Breen, like you said, um, if they are spaced out to where, you know, they can't just tap them, which they don't have crowd noise to contend with. Maybe, I mean, maybe Mark just interrupt him, but, you know, maybe my suggestion, it's a little bit silly, but it might actually work. You do the Houston Astros trick and just bang a trash can when you want to say something. And Mike will know, and then Mark <laughs> and Stan can get their words in. You'll be able to hear it. You're in an empty gym. Just bang, bang. Two bangs and that Stan wanting to jump in, one bang on the trash can, that's Mark wanting to jump in, and, and Mike will be able to kind of still keep a, a nice little flow to the broadcast. You keep saying Stan, you got the wrong way of gunning. Oh, Jeff. Former former <laughs> Rockets head coach, Jeff Van Gundy. That's right. Put that out there. That's right. Former <laughs> Alonzo. That's right. Hey, yeah. I was, I, was, I was cool with Jeff Tom. You know, former Alonzo morning leg hanger, Jeff Gundy. But he's funny on the broadcast. Uh, I like him. A- absolutely. And we finally get some. And, and I. Finally getting some of that rain from y'all. So that's good to see. It's, it's starting to. Come down out there now. All right. Man, we motored through another show. Yeah, we sure did. Had a ton of fun. Uh, had a few shows where just me and you hadn't been a lot of guests, but then uh, here lately we had some guests back in here. Uh, had guests last week. Two great guests on uh, this evening. Stevie Westmoreland. Follow her on Twitter at Mrs. Stevie Baby. Uh, and then Brett Ciancia, follow him on Twitter, at Pick6Previews. Talked a lot of U.K. football from both of their perspectives, from the Big Sis perspective, from the dude that's grinding, producing a preview magazine by himself perspective. Thanks to both of them. And then TVU and I just kind of did our thing in and around when they were home. Hope everybody enjoyed Absolutely. Keep on staying safe. We keep saying the same stuff every week, but a lot of people aren't being disciplined. And it's, you know, it stinks not to be able to just come and go and do as you want, but keep it dialed down and keep staying safe. And we'll be here again next week having fun with this. Uh, enjoy consuming these sports in a different way as they come. So we'll see what this baseball looks like. And Hockey and NBA and see what happens with football and health and the whole nine. So uh, looking forward to it, man. Enjoy it like always. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and, and we'll do it again. That's right. For man, Terry TV Brown, this is Vinny Hardy. Another episode of Cat Talk Wednesday. See y'all next week. We'll do it all again. <laughs>